Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on the podcast app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review on your podcast app, YouTube, subscribe, notification bell. You know what to do. You're hearing these words. You already made it here. Don't forget to come back next week when we hit the football action week after week. Of course, join with me today for our NFL preview. We're going to click on some over-under picks, some quarterbacks in the league that we think are in boom-or-bust scenarios as well as, of course, we'll touch on the Jets and Giants, even though we're trying to talk about good football on this podcast. But without further ado, my guy, my football confidant, my buddy, Pat Boyle. What's going on, brother? What's up, Petey? We're back, man. We are officially back. Football is here. It is going to be one hell of a football season, and I can't wait to uh, chat about it with you again every single week, give out some picks every single week. It's going to be a blast. I'm so excited, man. I've done four out of my five fantasy drafts. I have one more. It's a few hours after we're recording this. Five leagues, yes, it is too many. Can confirm, too many, but I don't know how to say no to some fantasy fun. So that's that's all good. Uh, and obviously the picks, like you mentioned, if you've been following this podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever, and on the podcast stuff, the picks are the most fun thing that we possibly do. Everyone gets involved. They interact. And last year, uh, I think I think I ended up one game above 500 after all those picks. I was one game above 500. Pat, you creaked back towards 500 at the end, uh, but let's not forget. Just two seasons ago, you were you were hot fire. So it's a fresh start, clean slate. What are your overarching thoughts right now in general with you know just the season and Thursday night football opening night? What, what's the big thing that's tickling your fancy at the moment? I would say getting a look at the Bills and the Rams. Um, you know, I'm, I'm picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl this year. I was picking them last year, and I know they're the odds-on favorite, but I think it's for a reason. Usually, you get a pretty good. Uh, usually, you get a pretty good sense of how good Vegas is when I'm pretty sure one of the top four favorites to win the Super Bowl has done so, basically every year for the last decade. So. There usually isn't a ton of surprises. I know the Bengals were a surprise getting to the Super Bowl last year. But that being said, the Rams were one of the favorites. They won it. I have a great feeling the Bills are going to be there this year. So I'm excited to see how they look out of the gate. Another year under the belt of Josh Allen. Another another year with Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, who I think is going to be having a huge season. Um, and then just watching the best teams go at it. See which teams perform well, which teams don't. And, you know, of course, betting on it throughout and, and I've got a really nice uh, fantasy league set up this year. First time commish. So there's there's a ton of things that I'm excited about. It is exciting, man. And uh, first time commish, it's it's a not always the most fruitful endeavor. People aren't appreciative. I'm a commish of one of my leagues. People just want to hate. So don't, I mean, you actually, I think you thrive with some hate. So you'll be fine. You'll be just fine in that role. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've already mentioned what we have on the docket real quick, though. I do want to mention like football season kind of started already, right, Pat? We got college football. Uh, week zero, week one, whatever, all taking place already. Uh, high school football took taken off. I'm actually recording this one from uh, Monsignor Farrell High School, where I called the game last Saturday, and Pat, it was it was off the charts. So if you're a friend of the show, Subway Sports Talk, in our inaugural uh, football season, who joined us every Monday or every Tuesday with with me and Pat was Coach Rocco Del Puri. 
is since on became the head coach of the Monsignor Farrell Lions and had his debut on Saturday. That off the charts. So let me tell you, first half, it was a fine first half. You know, a little bit of good play here, a little bit of bad play here. Rust off. It is what it is. We're playing the uh, 11 of 12 defending state champs from Rhode Island. So it's a good team, good program. Now, second half, they kind of hit the ground running, take a lead. At one point in the fourth quarter, they score on a pick six with five and a half minutes left to go, up two touchdowns, two touchdowns, five and a half minutes to go. From that point on, including that pick six, there were five touchdowns between 530 to end of regulation. Yeah, your face and your reaction says it all. Wow. So we had the pick six right after that. Farrell's quarterback comes back with a two-play drive, touchdown drive, two bomb passes, one over the left sideline, one rolling out right, deep corner end zone. They come back, uh, and then Farrell gets the ball back, scores again to take the lead. Then, all of a sudden, Bishop Hendrickson of Rhode Island scores in 35 seconds on four plays and takes the lead back again, up by four. Now, we get a kick return opportunity with 40 seconds left, 48 seconds left, something like that. To the house, Pat. Kick return to the house. Take the lead back. All of a sudden, 30 seconds left, 14 seconds left. One final play for Bishop Hendrickson. Quarterback tries to get out of bounds. Does not. Game over. And that was it. So I might have missed a play there or two. But basically, five touchdowns in five minutes and a half. Mayhem. Mayhem. It was amazing. I thought the LSU Florida State game was one of the craziest games I've seen in a while, but apparently Farrell football had a top man. That is absurd. Five yeah. scores, a kick return, there's a pick six in there. I mean, I can't even imagine how you kept your composure on the broadcast. That is tough when you think you get the play of the game, and then 30 seconds later something beats it. So, and I, and I know you had over 3,000 people watching. You were saying so. That's a hell of a first weekend for uh, for your high school alma mater. Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody who tuned in, uh, especially the people up in Rhode Island. You know, I'm I'm calling it fair. Obviously, we're a Farrell broadcast team, but uh, we we got hyped for some good plays on the other side. It was a, it was an amazing game. So shout out to all the high school football starting up across the uh, across the country. Shout out to our guy Kyle Anderson, frequent friend of the show. You know how he does in the high school football ranks, coaching it up. But before all this wonderful NFL talk, I got to tell you about our new friends, our new sponsor, Raycon. Because lately, I've been listening to a ton of sports podcasts, a ton of sports talk. You know how I do. But I also do listen to quite a bit of music. In fact, I've been listening to these two artists lately that are not similar really at all. But both sound fantastic in these Raycon earbuds. I've been listening to the new album, The Forever Story by Jib. It's amazing. If you like hip-hop, you will love this album guaranteed. And also, I've been listening to a band called Greta Van Fleet. If you don't know them, they're not that new. They are new to me. And they are incredible. This old school rock in a 2020 type flavor. I can't get enough of it. And the Raycon Everyday Earbuds look, look, feel, and sound better than ever. They have optimized gel tips with a multitude of options to create the perfect in-ear fit. That's what it's all about, right? Having those options to see what fits your ear best. Because what's most important with earbuds, people, we all know this. We can't have them falling out when we bend over, when we run. They don't. Trust me. Raycons do not fall out. And Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life in total. That's more than those buds you got going on right now, let me tell you. And they're priced just right because you get that high-quality audio, the one that you want, the one that you need, and it is half the price of those other brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And why do they have those five-star reviews, you might ask? Well, let me tell you, for starters, 
Not only do you have the noise isolation mode, but you also have an awareness mode. I listen to this stuff while walking my dog two, three, four times a day sometimes. I need to be able to hear what's going on around me. But when you're tapping in, when you're getting those last notes for the NFL season, when you're listening to that new album, you got to have the locked-in function of some noise cancellation hearing every single beat. It's fantastic. I use them in the house. I use them out of the house. I got them on all the time. So you go to buyraycon.com slash TBPN. That's buyraycon.com slash TBPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TBPN to score 15% off. So let's get into it though, Pat. Let's start talking about the NFL, which is why we are here. And, uh, you know, we're obviously going to get into our bets and into our picks and what we want to do with over-unders and maybe a prop or two, whatever the quarterbacks we want to talk about. But we got to start with the one true thing, right? The one carrot at the end of every team's road that they're all chasing, that every team thinks they have a shot at. At least, you know, they'll say they think they should have a shot at. But it's the Super Bowl. It's being a true contender in the NFL. And you could argue that there's anywhere between three to eight true contenders this year, perhaps I'll let you kind of take it from there, but that's where you got to start. It's a, you play to win the game. It's about winning a super bowl. It's about getting to super bowls. So that's where we're going to talk about. We got a bunch of teams. You already mentioned the bills and the Rams to you though, Pat, I don't know if you want to go with how many, but who are the true contenders that stick out in your mind? When you think about the best teams in the league that you expect when the clock turns to 2023 are going to be reeling in the playoffs. I'd say there's three teams in the AFC and I'd say that there is probably three teams in the NFC. I'll put it at six, right? Where you, you know, when you look at the Bengals this season, I could see the Bengals getting back to the AFC championship game. I think it would be a huge shock if they got to the Super Bowl again and I think it would be really a Cinderella story if they won the Super Bowl. You know, it was a great ride last year. I think when you look at the, the Bengals on paper, I think they got hot going into the playoffs. They rode that momentum. Joe Burrow played out of his mind. But I do not think that's sustainable over the course of this season. Again, when you consider how stacked the AFC is. So, first and foremost, I already mentioned them. Buffalo Bills, biggest contender, my Super Bowl pick. They're going to be the top team in the AFC. And then I'll give you a second contender when you look at, and then I'll give you basically a dark horse. So I really don't think there's more than three teams in each conference. The second contender I got in the AFC is going to be, I know that they struggled. I know that they got worse on paper, but it is still all about the quarterback and the Kansas City Chiefs still have the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. Josh Allen's close to surpassing Mahomes. Maybe he can do that this year if he puts up big numbers again and Mahomes and the Chiefs kind of struggle like they did last year. But, I mean, let's not forget the Chiefs had a 21-3 lead in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, they choked, so it's kind of hard to say, well, if they didn't choke, they did choke. But that being said, they were one solid half away from once again getting back to the Super Bowl. And I think just because they lost Tyreek Hill and they had problems on defense last year, I think it's too easy to say, oh, Kansas City Chiefs, we, we, we we, we can just totally forget about them. No, you can't, right? You can't. Patrick Mahomes is going to make Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling better. People forget how talented, how electric Nicole Hardman is. And, of course, you still got Kelsey, so trust me, that offense is going to put up plenty, plenty of points. And I know it was everybody and their mother was crapping on their defense last year in the beginning of the season for good reason. 
the defense got a little bit better. Legereus Sneed played really well towards the end of that year. That pass rush when healthy is elite, is dangerous. So I'm going to say the Chiefs are once again just as big of a contender or right there in the second in line with the Buffalo Bills. And I know you love them, and I don't want to talk too much about them, so I, I won't steal the, the light from you. But the Baltimore Ravens are my door horse to get to the Super Bowl this year out of the AFC. I'll let you run with that, Pete, if you want. And then in the NFC, um, again, people love to act like every single year, Tom Brady, it's that, he, that he's done, that he can't get there. The problems he's having right now, maybe with his personal life, that he didn't show up to preseason. It's all a bunch of fodder. It's smoke and mirrors. That team is legit. That team is dangerous as hell. I think Julio Jones is going to have a renaissance this year, uh, this season playing with Tom, that he's got Brady throwing to him. And look, I know they lost Kappa. I know the offensive line's a little banged up, but Brady has made a, he has made a lot more happen with a lot less, and that defense is even better than last year. So they are a well-balanced team. They're my favorite in the NFC. Um, and then when you look at the second contender and the NFC, I believe that that is going to be the LA Rams again. And again, just like everybody likes to say, oh, well, Stafford's got problems with his elbow. Who knows? You know, that they, they lost Odell Beckham. The Rams are still electric. They still have Cooper Cup. McVay's still a tremendous head coach. And the defense is basically just as good as last year. They lost Von Miller. So they're my second contender. Uh, and then the dark horse in the NFC for me this season would have to be the Minnesota Vikings. And I know that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a shot in a cannon. You know, if you're telling me, do I really, am I going to put money on Kirk Cousins getting to a Super Bowl? No, that's why they're my dark horse. I think Green Bay's window has closed. I think it has. And I think the fact mm. that they, they lost so many weapons on offense, they lost Devontae Adams. Um, I just think at this point, Aaron Rodgers, yes, he's, he's probably number two quarterback in the NFL, number three, first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think it's enough to overcome all the problems because they've had talented teams in the past. And whether it was the defense or it was the special teams or last year not being able to put up double-digit points, Green Bay's time has come and gone. So if there is a dark horse, I love Minnesota. Uh, I think Jefferson and Thielen, that combo is, is incredible. Dalvin Cook is still so good. And I think just Kirk Cousins has gotten a lot of hate, like way too much hate over the course of his career. So I'd say there's six. And I really think there's really only four, but I'd give you two dark horse in each conferences. Yeah, and you know what? We can talk about some of the teams that you didn't choose to be in that conversation here, and there are some teams with better odds than the lowest one that you chose, which is the Vikings. So we'll discuss them in a moment, but I don't want to skip around too much. I, I also want to mention something that I, I've been thinking about recently. You know, Pat, you and I are constantly tapped into the world of radio, the world of podcasting, Twitter, et cetera. So we're taking in a lot more just content in general than perhaps the average person, whether you're working in it, I'm working in it, we're doing it ourselves, or we're listening on our own. So I've been hearing so much, you know, you you said fodder for the for the Tom Brady thing. I, I don't want to say use the word fodder, but hype, I guess I'll use around the Minnesota Vikings. And I felt the same way. And I made that clear actually recently on, on a separate podcast. And I start to second guess myself. I go, ah, is everybody on them? Is, is it too obvious? Is this now a public play? And I don't think that's particularly the case. I still think you are correct. People hear Kirk Cousins, people see Kirk Cousins, and they will not give him the benefit of the doubt for the Vikings to overtake Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But the Packers are a huge question mark, a much bigger question mark than we've had them be in the past. And last year, they were a supposed question mark and were still a juggernaut in the regular season. I don't think that's the case. So I thought to myself, like, Am I overthinking it now? Am I am I playing myself? And I don't think it's the case. I think Zimmer got really stale in Minnesota. I think the weapons 
in Minnesota are as good as anybody in the entire league. Kirk has been a good quarterback, obviously with some flaws. Now with the new offensive coordinator who's coming over from the Rams, expected to be unleashed a little bit and forced to do some of those things he didn't want to do. One of the most frustrating things about Kirk was playing it safe, playing it um, uh, underneath the sticks, right? Like throwing that five-yard drag on a on a third and 11. It was so frustrating for, for Vikings fans, anyone who bets on the Vikings, but that was a Zimmer influence. That was an old coach with an old mentality, defense, run the ball, ball control, et cetera. And I don't know if it's going to hurt Dalvin Cook on your fantasy team, but it's going to help the Vikings as a whole trying to push the, the ball down the field more. So I love that pick. Obviously, a plus 3,500 Super Bowl uh, team is not somebody you're putting your house on, but it is a great long shot, and I love it. To discuss some of the other ones that you have here, I do want to hit on the Baltimore Ravens first because I think they're so interesting. You're picking them as a true Super Bowl winner is a long shot. We haven't seen Lamar have the playoff success yet, and you kind of have to see it to believe it. Kirk Cousins, same thing. Lamar Jackson, same thing. However, Pat, I agree with you 1 million percent. This team is set up to make a run in the North. The Steelers aren't quite the Steelers, even though I expect them to be competitive. Uh, We know the Bengals are very good, and the Browns, your Browns, are a little bit of a mixed bag until Deshaun comes back. We'll see how much they hold on. The Ravens are primed for good luck. And I know you don't want to talk about luck, not you in particular. People don't want to talk about luck in football, but injury has a history of playing a lucky part of people's seasons. Last year, this team was decimated, Pat. Offense, defense, running backs, DBs, it didn't matter. They lost everybody. Lamar even missed a couple games. They're set up for a big-time regression in a positive way. And the Bengals, who weren't really even a true contender until they got there, Right? Like this team wasn't even a Super Bowl contender until they made the AFC championship. So I'm with you. The Ravens are a team that I love. And I think regular season could be near juggernaut level again if they get that run game going a little bit with J.K. Dobbins back and Rashard Bateman could be an okay number one receiver. There are some ifs, but I love that there. Um, I do want to go back to the Chiefs, though, before we get to the Bucks, because I think the Bills and the Rams, they're talked about a lot to this point, and we'll discuss them as we preview some week one stuff later on the chiefs, Pat last year, you were one of the early adapters of this team doesn't look right. And you were on point, right? You, you called out the defense. I think it might've been week one. You said this defense is going to be a problem and it was a problem. You were correct. Albeit you still said the entire time, there's still a problem. They're still going to be uh, in games. They're still going to have a chance. What makes you feel outside of Patrick Mahomes and the receivers that you mentioned that, they can come back to a regular season of being like the top dog in the AFC. Cause I know for a team like the chiefs that it's super bowl or bust, they made a few super bowls in the past couple of years. It's exhausting to try to be top dog. Do you think how last year ended impacts how they approach this year? Or are you just keeping your, your chips in the Mahomes read basket and riding it until it's done? I think it's a little bit of both, right? I mean, we saw the defense get better as the year went on. I mean, it was hard for them to be as bad as they were in the first couple of weeks. I think Steve Spagnuolo realized, hey, I better start making some adjustments or I'm going to lose my job. And he did. And they were kind of a little bit, um, you know, more conservative with the way that they lined up their secondary so that they're not gonna, they weren't going to get beat over the top. Teams were just blowing them over the top. They, whenever they tried to run cover two, it was getting torched. They were trying to mix up cover two and cover three. But a lot of that was because, you know, again, they had some issues with Chris Jones staying healthy. They had some issues with Frank Clark staying healthy in the beginning of the year. Those guys missed, you know, combined 
five games in the first six weeks. And those are two studs for them that they need to get to the quarterback. And when they got back and got healthy, you saw how much of a huge impact Chris Jones had down the stretch. Frank Clark, not so much in terms of the, the sacks, but stuffing the run up the middle and forcing teams then to go away from their game plan. So, and I think that that secondary got better as the year went on. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm expecting a big year out of Legereus Sneed. You know, I'm putting some eggs in, in his basket, thinking that he's going to be a good job holding it down. And, um, you know, and then again, we're going to see how we're going to see how they hold up. But I, I think combination of Mahomes, you know, you have Mahomes, you have a chance. Um, even though they lost Tyreek Hill, I think they can be more balanced with what they do on offense now. You know, I think we've definitely talked about this. I know a lot of people have talked about it. When it's Tyreek Hill and it's like, okay, just get it to Tyreek Hill and hopefully he can break something open, you almost become, you know, you get away from a game plan. You get away from a solid, efficient game plan of maybe nickel and diming teams down the down the field and having exhausting drives. Or I feel like for the Chiefs, a lot of it was like, let's, let's go hero ball, and then if it doesn't work out, we'll see what can happen. And I think now that they have less, quote-unquote, explosive talent on paper, you know, with Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS replacing Tyreek Hill, it's going to force them, it's going to force Andy Reid to, tr- to kind of get more back to the basics. And I feel like, honestly, it's going to help them be a more well-balanced, efficient offense in terms of also running the ball with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon, and then also being able to use the weapons they have on the field. And I think the third element is now, now they're not clear-cut favorites, right? Yeah. I've talked about the Vegas Raiders, a team that I didn't mention in the opening answer to your question a team that I've mentioned on national radio as well, that I think the Vegas Raiders are going to win the AFC West. And I still believe that. But when you get to playoff time, the fact that the chiefs, unless they have, unless they go 13 and four and they reestablish themselves as favorites, I think they're going to be not the first or second team that a lot of people think of when you think of Super Bowl favorites this year. So they've got that underdog mentality. They got the chip on their shoulder now that they have to play with this year. I think it's going to help them. Great breakdown by you. And just to break down the odds a little further, you mentioned the Bills as the favorite. They're plus 50, uh, 5,500, 550. Very different there. They're plus 5,500. <laughs> Hammer that immediately. Send it. No, plus 550. There we go. The Bucks are at plus 700 at number two. Chiefs, Packers tied at three, plus 1,000. Rams plus 1,200. Followed by the Chargers, Niners, Broncos, and Ravens which fill out between a thousand and the Ravens are plus 2000. So that's that second tier, if you will, if maybe third tier, if you want to count the bills as a tier of their own. And then you get the Cowboys, Bengals, Eagles, who have been getting some weirdly uh, Super Bowl hype buzz lately, which I've actually, I'm pro Eagles. I like them to win the NFC East. Maybe we'll talk about that later, but Super Bowl buzz. What are we talking about? Super Bowl buzz. Uh, I, I love Hertz right now. I'm, I'm pro AJ Brown. He's one of my favorite receivers in the league. I think they had a great second half, the whole nine. Their defense, they got talent. Super Super Bowl. Let's talk about playoffs before we talk about Super Bowl. And the Colts, Vikings round out anybody with underneath a plus 4,000 odds for the Super Bowl. So, Pat, you kind of picked that last team in the Vikings that's not plus 4,000, right? Like, plus 4,000 is like the marker where they just put the rest of the teams kind of, and, and the Vikings are in that last little range there. Uh, so last thoughts on the Bucks here before we move on to some over-under picks for the season totals. The, the one big change on their team, it's not even a roster player, right? It's their head coach. It's Todd Bowles taking over as head coach. And if you think about the breakdown with Arians being an offensive guy, working with Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, Todd Bowles running the defense and doing a stellar job with it. Now Bowles running the whole show, 
Still hands in the defense, obviously. Byron Leftwich still there. Tom Brady's still there, even though it took him a while to show up. Is Todd Bowles to you a positive replacement, a neutral replacement, a negative? So we've seen him be a head coach before. Very different circumstances. All his quarterbacks combined with the Jets couldn't shine Tom Brady's shoes. So do you look at Bowles as a positive replacement, neutral, or negative? I think it's got it's got its pros and cons, to be honest. I mean, let's I've said it, and I'm gonna die on this hill that the only reason Bruce Arians isn't coaching this team is because of Tom Brady. I don't, Tom Brady yep. didn't want him to be the head coach of the team. I, you know, I think that that became glaringly obvious. So, you know, again, we're going to get to a point where it's not going to be what Tom Brady says, who everybody follows, right? We might be, he might retire in the next year. He might retire in two years. He might eventually finally fall off a cliff at some point, maybe when he's 48, if he is still playing. But either way, <laughs> right now, it's still what Tom Brady says. Tom Brady gets, gets what he wants. And he wanted Bruce Arians off that team. And that's why he retired, then unretired, and then Arians happens to step down. I mean, the timing of it was very obvious to me. So I think in the sense that you get Tom Brady operating the offense the way he wants to, uh, the way that him and Byron Leftwich wanted to happen, um, you know, again, let's, let's not remember, they basically let Brady take over that offense at the end of his first year in Tampa Bay when things weren't working out with the way that uh, Bruce Arians was calling the plays, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl, and they got hot. The offense was incredible in the postseason. So, you know, I think Brady and Byron Leftwich, they're going to have a lot of pressure to make this offense run, but I think they've got plenty of talent, plenty of weapons. Um, and I think just, you know, overall the defense, I think it has the opportunity to get better when you have a defensive head coach. You know, you've, you're defensive-minded. Bowles has always been a great D.C. You know, like you said, we saw when he was the head coach of the Jets, it did not work out, right? It, just, it didn't work out, and – when he was that one year in Miami, that was too short of a you know sample size to really use. Um, but I just think this team has the chance to be mo- more cohesive under Todd Bowles as the head coach, right? There was obviously some strife going on. If you take that out of the picture now and you get Bowles, who delegates the offense to Brady and Leftwich, he's in charge of the defense. Um, I you know could it blow up in their face if Todd Bowles is uh, you know if he has talent for the first time and it still doesn't work out potentially but I like the move that they made. Yeah, I agree too. And and it's so easy to say, oh, does Tom Brady even need an offensive coordinator? Like, yes, he does, obviously. Like, Josh McDaniels wouldn't have a job after job after job if he didn't collaborate with Tom on that situation. So Byron's still super important. You know, Tom, for for all he does as a quarterback slash offensive coach, you still need an OC and left, which obviously is somebody who Brady likes since he stuck around. Because if Leftwich was part of the problem, you know he was gone too. He's much more replaceable than Bruce Arian. So that the fact that Bowles and Byron are still there feels really good. And I, I'm, I'm happy for Bowles. I always thought he got a bad rep in New York because of how things ended and how he couldn't get the team into the playoffs and over the hump. Those rosters were just like, they were good defensive teams and they were bad offensively. Like, who were their Garbage. guys? There, there wasn't anyone special and Fitzpatrick made something happen and they did what they could, whatever. So I'm, I'm with you there. I'm a little bit more tentative on, you know, picking them as um, a regular season juggernaut just because I do think there might be some lulls in the season. But like the Chiefs, they're a team that has demanded our respect past the regular season. They have to be in it to win it. They don't have to be the one seed. They don't have to be this or that. They have to be in it. And then once they're there, from a game plan perspective, from a Tom Brady perspective, 
I mean, who else do you want to put your money on more so than them? Right. So I'm with you. I think those are really good picks. And like, I just want to mention these two teams real quick. Cause just cause they're getting actually these three teams real quick. Cause they're getting some buzz as well. It's the chargers who you didn't mention. Um, it's the 49ers and the Broncos. I'll give a shout out. So the chargers and Broncos got to see it to believe it. The chargers have been on the precipice of greatness and if it, whether it's Staley uh, shooting himself in the foot or the team just falling up short, they haven't quite got there. You want to see them do it before you say that they're a Super Bowl champion contender. Uh, same with the Broncos. Russ is new. It's new. Nathaniel Hackett's new. We'll see what we'll see how we feel in week six or week eight, week 10 or something like that. 49ers are interesting because Trey Lance is purely hypothetical still. We know how much we trust Shanahan to do his thing with a healthy starting quarterback whether it be Jimmy G or Matt Ryan in the past as an OC, like when he has his quarterback, he's very good. When he's with backups, he's sneaky good and not quite good enough to win games, but we we all trust Kyle Shanahan. Real quick on Trey Lance, expectations, positivity surrounding him. How do you feel about the 49ers just in general? Not quite as a contender, but just for the season. Uh, or, think, unless I'm stepping on an over-under pick. Um, perhaps. Uh, Perhaps. All right. So you want to save it? No, I mean, we could I mean, okay, we talk about, I just don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that good. I, I think it's all of a sudden, you know, it was Trey. Trey would have never been starting if Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't hurt. Right. I, I, that's what I believe. You know, I know they, they, they're the ones that picked him. Lynch is the one that moved up to pick him. So I guess once that happened, that kind of set the table that he was going to start no matter what, because you're not just going to take, you're not going to move up to three and draft a quarterback and then never play him. Unless you're, well, you know, the Green Bay Packers did it with with uh, Love, but that was at the end of the first round. They moved up to three to take Trey Lance. So that signaled he is going to play at one point or another. Uh, but I just, I don't think he's that good. I don't. He, he's got a lot to prove. Uh, George Kittle, who I know uh, just as we're doing this podcast, picked up a groin injury in practice. So, you know, his status is now in question for week one. Debo Samuel, how effective is he going to be if the whole, like, you know, he can't be a running back or you can't run him into the ground if that's the case because their offense is not nearly as good without him doing that. Um, and then, yeah, the defense is good, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, for all the crap he, he gets, the guy's a winner. He's always been a winner. Uh, so he found a way to make yeah. it work even when his play was subpar. And now you're asking, you know, a guy who's basically a rookie in terms of his playing and Trey Lance to overcome a lot of the – the flaws they have under the surface. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And with Trey Lance, man, he just hasn't thrown a lot of passes in game. And I'm not talking about just last year as a backup and occasional starter for the Rams. I mean, uh, for the 49ers, he missed the senior, uh, his last season in college because COVID the year before that was his first year starting. Like that's, that's all we have. We don't have a lot of evidence that he can be a consistent thrower of the football. We know he's an athlete. We know he has a big arm. Until we see it consistently, it's going to be hard to buy in. But, you know, again, with the Shanahan thing, do you trust them to make the playoffs and make some noise? We shall see. We shall see, Patty. So let's and, move on. And they, need, they, and they need a good running game, too. And I'm also not sold on their running game being as good as it used to be when they got to the Super Bowl. You know, Eli Mitchell and Jeff Wilson, I mean, to me, that's not like that's not a run game that's going to be ranking in the top in the league. I know they got a great line. I know they got the best offensive lineman in the entire league, Trent Williams, who's an absolute savage. But – I mean, I don't know. I'm just not sold on their offense, especially when Trey Lance is the quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it, it's a C. Got to see it to believe it. I said it three times. I'll say it again. 
there are teams here that are getting preseason hype with some decent reason, but it's not going to mean anything until we say it. Like with the Eagles right now and all the hype that they're getting, if you listen to some of the Ringer podcasts like I do, Bill Simmons has been all over it. And now all of a sudden this Eagles thing is like, oh, they're going to be a nice sneaky NFC East candidate to all of a sudden, what are their conference odds? What are their Super Bowl odds? That's aggressive. There's a really good chance that they're a 500 team. There's a really good chance that that's where they are. So I don't want to get too hyped up on anything, even if I'm leaning over on the Eagles this year, which I'm probably not going to make that one of my picks, even though I thought about it. Like, even if I'm leaning over, it doesn't mean anything yet. It doesn't really mean anything. But there is a thing that actually does have some meaning to me here, and that is that the first football Sunday is like literally here, guys. The first football Sunday of the NFL season is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers another can't-miss offer. I mean, seriously, guys, if you're not signed up yet, what are you doing? The NFL season is here, and you can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus, everyone, not just the new customers, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. That means both of these things. New customers, $5 to get 200 instantly. Doesn't even have to win. And then this time, your team doesn't have to win and cover. They just have to be up 10 at any point in the game. You get paid instantly, even if they end up blowing it. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPM and get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's move on to the over-under segment here. Start picking some of our favorite team regular season win totals. And uh, Pat, do you have one you want to start start off with? I figure we'll just alternate one for one here. Sure. Yeah. So do we want to, you want to do overs or if I have an what, under or it doesn't matter any, any direction, whatever you want. I, I know we're only going to do two or three each here. So whatever you want, if you have a, a favorite, use it now, save it for your last one. I don't really care. Okay. So I'm going to take the Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders over here. You know, again, I think I've made it uh, well known how much I love them this season getting Devontae Adams. I think that pass rush is going to be on another level again this year. Um, and when you look at their schedule, yes, they're in that stacked AFC West. But for the Raiders, you need nine wins. And they basically – they got that last year in 2021. Or excuse me, they got ten wins last year. And that last win coming against the Chargers in, uh, in overtime, which should have been a tie if, if Brandon Staley you know, just did his job. So you need them to get nine wins. And you look at the, the schedule they play. Here's some of the teams that they have on their, on their schedule. They're at home against the Texans. They're at Jacksonville, at home against the Colts, at Seattle. And then they play the, the Patriots at home. They play the Steelers on the road. You know, to me, basically every single one of those games is going to have to be a win. Uh, but even then, I just I think that they are the best team in the AFC West. So I think at worst, they split every single one of their division games that they play at worst. And I think at best, they can win four or five games in the division so I easily see them getting nine. I think they're going to end up winning 11. I think they're going to go 11 and six. So the Raiders are my favorite team in terms of taking the over for the season total, which is right now at eight and a half. The Raiders are really interesting to me. And we're going to talk about boomer bust quarterbacks in our next segment. 
Derek Carr will definitely be brought up because now he has better weapons than he ever has. I know Darren Waller is a little bit in question in regard to is he holding out? Is he actually injured? It's a bit of a question mark, but if you imagine he'll be playing uh, once the season starts, I mean, they're a freaking really good team. So they have, and they have weapons up to ass. So I, I love that pick. I think it's going to be tough just based off of their division and their schedule. I mean, you look at uh, Sharp Football Analysis, which is Warren Sharp site, breaking down the strength of schedule based off Vegas forecasted win totals. Has nothing to do with last year. Has nothing to do with what happened in the past. It has everything to do with what Vegas is expecting to happen in 2022. The Raiders have the third toughest schedule in the league, as do the Chiefs and Chargers have the hardest and second hardest. So that division's a gauntlet. We know that. They're going to have to show up in division, and that might just mean splitting with the Chargers and the Chiefs. And that's something they proved, something that they've done in the past, which is played it up to their, their high-end competition and hang with just about anybody. So I love that pick. I think it'll be uh, really cool to see how they make it happen. Um, for mine, my first one, I'm going to go with an over as well on this one. I'm going to your boy, perhaps. I don't know how you feel about him now, but Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers at six and a half wins, I'm going with the over. I look at this roster, I look at the weapons, and I look at uh, a team that started off pretty well last year, and I see possibilities for growth. Six and a half is not a big number. You're telling me that the New York football giants have a seven on their over-under and the Carolina Panthers are at six and a half? I ask why. You can argue that the Giants have the easiest schedule in the league. The Panthers have a favorable schedule. I think they're ranked 12th or 13th, and they're way better with a better quarterback and better weapons. Why would the Panthers not be able to get to seven? I think seven and nine, eight, I'm sorry, seven and 10, eight and nine is 100% in range for them. And I think Baker is the best quarterback that DJ Moore has ever had in his career. I expect a huge season from him. And God forbid Christian McCaffrey is healthy for half of a season. I see this team going over six and a half. Uh, and, and just to take a quick look at their schedule, you know, I, I mentioned it's 13th ranked on sharp football analysis. They have the Browns. In week one, which is the pre-Deshaun Watson era, they have the Giants. They have Saints, Cardinals. You know, 49ers are tough. Uh, the Bucks are tough. But then they get the Falcons. They get the Falcons twice because of division. Like, they they have a schedule that if you really look at it, there's a chance for them to be 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. I don't see why not. And I think Baker is being slighted as a bad quarterback. And the real narrative on Baker all along has never been that he's been trash. That's been incorrect, in my opinion. He's never been great, but he's never been trash outside of playing extremely injured last year. I think you you line it up in their schedule, the quarterbacks they faced, the defense was was a, uh, you know solid for chunks of last season. Six and a half feels like a steal, a bargain for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that hinges on if McCaffrey can stay healthy for a full year, right? Like it's starting to become like a valid question. You, you have no idea because it's happened the last two years. He's barely been able to stay on the field, but we know how much of a difference maker he was. That pass rush was phenomenal. I mean, they got off to a 3-0 start last year with Sam Darnold, that quarterback. So, you know. Which is mind-boggling. And that NFC South is is very, very weak. Um, You know, New Orleans is always tough to play at their place. But, you know, I mean, outside of Tampa Bay, right? Like, Carolina's got a a really good shot at winning some games this year. And I agree with you. I think I, I like that pick. I mean, if you think about the two games against the Falcons, 
if you count those as wins for the Panthers, which, you know, they, you know, they might split. It's division stuff. You, you know how it could be. And, like, that that could be two right there. They split with the Saints. Maybe, you know, they they give the Bucks a, a run for their money at one point. I don't know. But they can win three or four games in division. And, and then they have the Lions, the Giants, the Browns, all on their schedule. So I, I just like it. I know they have some tough ones as well. Um, but I'm pro Baker this year. I'm pro DJ Moore this year. And like you said, the C-Mac thing is, is a question mark, but it's a risk I'm willing to take uh, on, on this year. So, Pat, what's your next one? I think you're muted. I am muted. Sorry about that. I am going Radio under- professional. <laughs> yeah, for real. I am going- <laughs> I, so one thing I had to control. I am going under on the Dallas Cowboys. I think they are a fraudulent team, much like they are every single year. And, yes, they have a weak schedule. That's the first thing that pops out. But still, they've got they're tied for the third highest win total projected this year at ten and a half. I'm taking the under. Like you, I agree that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the NFC East, and I think the Dallas Cowboys got worse in basically every facet of the game from last year to this year. Losing Amari Cooper, you know, giving making trusting Ceedee Lamb to be the number one receiver. I think he can be. I think he's got that dog in him, right? But now, you know, Michael Gallup can he stay healthy? Uh, the whole the question around Ezekiel Elliott, I think his best days are long behind him. I think he's going to end up losing that starting job to Tony Pollard. Now you're talking about Tyron Smith not being able to play until December because of the injury he picked up. You lost Lyle Collins. The offensive line, we've heard about how great the offensive line is for years. For years. And, yes, the offense usually is in the top six or seven in terms of yards per yards per game, but they usually have have a tough time winning close games. The defense, I think, got worse, and I think they're going to see a regression to the mean in terms of the turnovers. All the interceptions Trayvon Diggs had last year, all the turnovers they forced, they got worse on paper as a defense, and I think you just see them take the ball away less than they did last year because teams are now wary of that. And you look at the schedule. They start off the year home against Tampa Bay, home against Cincinnati. Those can, you know, I think at best they split. They could easily lose both. You know, again, and I just think Philadelphia is a much better team than them. They usually have a tough time with Washington. And they, you know, for the most part, they own the Giants. But, you know, again, they also have to play Green Bay. They have to play Minnesota, both of them on the road. They've got to play the Colts at at home. They've got to play Tennessee on the road. So they do have some cupcakes in there. They get the, you know, affordability of playing Detroit, Chicago, Houston, and Jacksonville. You would think all four of those are wins. Um, so they're going to come, they're probably going to come close. They might come, uh, they, they might be at nine or 10 wins with uh, two weeks left to go, but can they get over that hump? I'm going to, I'm going to bet against them. I'm saying they go under 10 and a half. It's really hard to imagine their offense not being good because of how good they've been year over year with Dak Prescott at the helm. But this one's very different. They lost, not just their their number one or one B receiver in Amari Cooper. They also don't have Michael Gallup right now. They also lost a steady number three in Cedric Wilson. Ezekiel Elliott's one year older. Their offensive line is banged up. Things you all touched on already. Like Dak's been so good that I don't want to bet against him. And I'm not betting against him because I think there'll be points on the board. But the whole picture is a little bit murkier than you would have thought it would have been after last season, right? So I'm I'm with you. It's a tough one for me at 10. Like I could easily see them at nine wins. I could easily see them at 10. And I think that's one of the things I think on DraftKings, you said 10 and a half. I'm seeing I, I, DraftKings. Yep. 
Yeah, I was looking at Vegas Insider. They have them at 10 and a half. But yes, as I was checking that, I did see that on DraftKings. And I actually, because I checked a couple of weeks ago, they were at 10 and a half. And I'm guessing since the Tyron Smith injury, I think they have gone yes. down to, to, to 10 flat. And even then, I'd still take it under. I think they were right. at most nine. And, and, and it feels like a minimum, you'll get a push at minimum, right? And again, if you like the Eagles, you may not even want to play the Eagles number here. You might want to play the Cowboys. It's almost like a head-to-head weird thing there where if one team is better, the peak for the NFC East is probably 11. So the peak for the second-place team is 9 or 10. I think at worst, you get a push on that, on that number. Um, so I like that as well. I'm going to go with an under for my second pick as well, and I'm going at the defending runner-ups in the Cincinnati Bengals. Also on DraftKings at 10 wins. It feels like when you hear that number, oh, it's way too low. Why would the Bengals get worse? Why would the Bengals not go way higher than they were last year? You got to look at this division. You got to look at the, the whole big picture here. They're tied for the sixth hardest schedule in the NFL. The Ravens are better. I think the Steelers will still be competitive and in that seven or eight win range. And that's going to make it a lot harder on the Bengals. Um, to, to fly past 10 wins, similar situation where they they likely can get to 10. I think that's very possible, but it's not as easy for them to get to 11 or 12 as a lot of people wanted to make it believe. So you look at their schedule here. Obviously, the Ravens are a tougher matchup this year. They catch the Browns uh, once, I believe, right before uh, Deshaun comes back and then once after Deshaun comes back. So that's a tough divisional game. They have the Ravens and the Bills in the final two weeks of the season. Also, the Bucks four weeks out from the final week of the season. So the final stretch of this schedule is really difficult here. Actually, in fact, if you go even further, their final six games are Chiefs, Browns with Deshaun, Bucks, Patriots, who if they're in contention, will be playing a great game there. Uh, and that's in New England in December, the Bills and the Ravens. That's really tough. So unless they are getting consistently better throughout this season, that's why that number 10 feels really good to me that I'm going to take the under. I could easily see this a nine win team. I could easily see them as a 10 win team and you end up with a push, but that's just as good as a win almost when you're talking about over-unders for the season. And uh, th this is a team that everyone loves. Joe Burrow is a player that everybody loves right now. They made a remarkable run last year. Some people say, oh, they're not a Super Bowl hangover candidate because they weren't supposed to be there because they're so young, because they got better. Their schedule got a lot tougher one of the six hardest schedules in the league. Everyone wants to bet they're over. And when you're doing over-unders, you check the odds and you see minus 120 on the under plus 100 on the over. It feels like such a small difference, Pat, but we know that that's not a mistake. That's not there by accident. They are always, always begging us to take the over because they know as a public better, which all of us really are, that's what we love to do. We don't want to root for teams to lose outside of our biggest rival. And I'm not really rooting for the Bengals to lose until I put that money down. But I think this is an under pick. And I think an over pick would be too aggressive, resting on the laurels of last year, expecting a lot out of a team that made a magical run. I like that. I, I also agree. Maybe the fact that we're agreeing on all these, maybe that's not so great, but real good or real bad, maybe real average. Who knows? <laughs> are we, are we, do we give, are we giving that one more here? Cause I got one yeah, more. Let's do, let's do it, one more. I'll make it quick. I'm going under on the giants again. Oh I'm yeah, done. let's go. I'm let's done. just book it. Same one under, under, under. Yeah, I'm, I'm done believing in the giants. I'm done believing that they can surprise that if everything goes right, uh, because for the most part, everything seems to go wrong. And I know they're at under seven, so they'd have to win six. Uh, if they win seven, it's a push. I'm still taking the under. 
you know, they, they, they much like the rest of the NFC East, have a, a easy schedule considering they get to play the NFC West um, and they get to play the NFC South. So the Giants are going to play in a four weeks in a row, seven, eight, and then after the bye week, 10 and 11. Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit. Very, very easy schedule. But, I mean, the Giants lose games like that all the time. And week two, you think, oh, hey, they can get right on the board in week two against Carolina. Remember last year, the Giants are only three-point underdogs to Denver. Got blown out. Giants should have beaten Washington last second. The offsides, jumping offsides, letting Washington re-kick the field goal. They choked that game away. And then they were three-point favorites to Atlanta. And you thought last year, oh, there's no way they lose to the Falcons. Well, they did. And they only scored 14 points. So time and time again, you think the Giants are have a lot of games on the schedule that you say, yeah, that can easily be a win. And they still find a way to somehow lose the majority of them. You know, again, they had to shed all of these salaries, getting rid of Bradbury, getting rid of Blake Martinez, which I still don't know what the reasoning for that was, considering he missed a practice and then was cut the next day. I think there was something going on deeper than that. I think you got a lot of guys where, look, you know, we're so quick to believe that this rebuild under Joe Shane and Brian Dayball could work, and it can, but things could go very wrong. And things have just seemed to go wrong for the Giants year after year. So this is year one of a rebuild. You're expecting a lot out of Daniel Jones, who at this point, Pete, I've given up on Daniel Jones. I was one of the biggest defenders. I was dying on that hill. I've died on it. My body was buried. This is new Pat Boyle now, the new blonde hair, and this is one that doesn't believe in Daniel Jones. Now you got Kenny Galladay, who looks like he doesn't want to be on the field for this team. Kadarius Tony, we know how explosive he can be. He could be a pro bowler. He could be one of the best receivers in the league. Can he stay healthy? Can they get him the ball? Can they block for him? Can they block for Saquon Barkley? The offensive line didn't get a whole lot better than last year. I know they added John Feliciano, but we always say, oh, the offensive line can't get much worse than it was last year, right? And they usually end up scoring 17 points a game, and they're right there at the bottom. So there's not a whole lot going on for the Giants. And if you think that they're going to win every single game that they're a favorite in, you're mistaken because they usually don't. So there's wins on the schedule there at home against Carolina, at home against Chicago, that four-week stretch that I mentioned. Maybe they can split with Washington. Maybe they can split a game with Dallas. They'll find a way to disappoint. They'll find a way to win six games or less this year. Yeah, hundred. I just I don't even need to go that far because you said it all. You hit it on the head. I did a whole segment in a solo podcast just a week or so ago that this is my flag in the ground. I don't care how you skin the New York Giants this year. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat, as we know. Tell me how they get eight wins, Pat. Eight. There's no way. There's no way. I don't care that they have the easiest schedule in the league. They don't score. And and the fact that Brian Dable, which as a Giants fan, I'm very excited about Brian Dable as the new head coach. I think he can do a lot with a little, perhaps. We'll see. With Daniel Jones, if he can make him look better, he might. The offense might be better. It very well might. But guess what? It won't be enough based off the personnel. Not even the best coach in the league can make up for such a lack in talent. There's no way. And I know, like you said, there's talent that exists that is in practice because they're always injured. Even Sterling Shepard. Everyone knows Sterling Shepard's a good wide receiver. My guy can't stay on the field. So Tony and Shepard can't stay on the field. Galladay's a shell. What are we doing? How are we scoring Saquon's going to get 90 catches. Maybe. Is that going to be enough to make the offense consistent? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So it's not the best way to think about an over-under is that you'll have a push, right? You're trying to win your bets when you put them in. But at the absolute maximum capacity, 
of the New York Giants, they get to seven. The maximum capacity. And things will go wrong. Things will get led astray. And they're playing in the final three weeks of the season, the Vikings, the Colts, and the Eagles. So when the Giants could possibly sneak in to a team that doesn't care about the final two weeks of the season because they locked in their spot, you're likely not getting that in the Vikings, Colts, or Eagles. They're going to be in it. They're going to be uh, you know, playing for different positions in the playoffs, most likely. And they're not going to take a Giants team lightly because it's the end of the year. Who cares? We got our spot. It's not going to happen. So when the Giants need you know, three wins in the last three weeks to get to eight, uh, to eight wins, I don't see it happening. This team's a disaster. And this is the first year of a rebuild. And it's a shame that it's the first year of a rebuild because they've been terrible for five years. Terrible for five years, Pat. And now the rebuild is actually happening with a GM and a coach who understand it and know what's coming. They're not going to be good this year. They're not. It's insane to me that their over-under is so much higher than the Texans, than the Panthers, than the Falcons, than the Bears. The Bears are at six and a half too, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I don't know if that's a trap. I'm staying far away because it seems scary to me. But there ain't no way the Giants get to eight wins. There's no freaking way. So I'm with you. That's our third combined. We got we got okay. one shared. We okay. got two difference. One over, one under, the Giants under. That's how you do it. So for you, um, we got the Raiders. And Raiders over, Cowboys under, Giants under. For me, we got the uh, – who did I pick first? The Panthers yeah. over. Pick the Panthers the, over, uh, Bengals under. Bengals under and Giants under. Book it, lock it in. That's how we do it. All right, let's do this quick here, Pat, as we're running out of time, recording in a different part of the day where we have many things to do uh, <laughs> this evening. Normally, we record at night where it's just our sleep schedule that gets messed up. This is actual stuff. So let's talk about – boom or bust quarterbacks uh, that we think this year is make or break on their careers. What's going to happen to them moving forward? What's going to happen to their teams? There's a bunch of them right now that this is it. So I want to start with one of the most obvious, most talked about quarterbacks that for some reason, people are incredibly, incredibly torn on. There's either people who love this guy and want him to do well and defend him every chance they get, or there are people who say he's garbage and he stinks. He's not an NFL quarterback. I I don't know what's right. I have my my feeling. I have my hope. Usually, I'm the one to say, yeah, the extremes on both sides are probably wrong. It's probably down the middle. This one doesn't feel like that, Pat. You know who I'm talking about, I think, right? Take a guess. Uh, no, you I, don't know. I, I thought it was going to be Lamar. No, it's not. Same conference, different division. Tua Tunga Viola. Oh, this okay, guy, well, yeah, when you said people, some people think he stinks and he can't be an NFL quarterback. I was like, it can't be Lamar Jackson. No, no. If anyone says that about Lamar, get him out of here. Get him <laughs> all the way out of here. I don't want to hear that garbage. But Tua is a quarterback here who people think sucks or people are like, no, man, most accurate quarterback, like deep balls, beautiful. He has enough arm. He's got poise or he, he's got happy feet in the pocket. He can't take a hit. He can't stay healthy and he stinks. I'm like, uh. Both of those things can't be true. Where do we land? So Tua and the Dolphins added some talent. We know that. Their over-under for the season is set to, I believe, eight and a half. Uh, I'm trying to confirm that real quick. Yeah. Oh, no, it's actually at nine now on DraftKings. So what say you about Tua in this really big season for him? Because he could easily be shipped out of Miami if it doesn't work. I think he sucks, man. I mean, if I'm mm. being honest, I'm being there you blunt. Go. I think he sucks, right? I just think he's... 
There's been all the excuses built in for him over the last couple of years. And I know some of them are valid. Oh, he's had all these different OCs. He hasn't had a lot of talent, you know, all this. But at the end of the day, he's getting benched in games for Ryan Fitzpatrick in one possession games. I mean, that just that like that should be the end all be all of any of that conversation. He they didn't trust him to throw the ball down the field. And they still don't trust him to throw the ball down the field. You hear Mike McDaniel, you know, again, going through all these mental gymnastics to defend him by saying, Oh, yeah, he's so accurate. He's, he's throwing so such a catchable ball. The way the, the ball spirals off his hand. You know, Mike McDaniel, like awkwardly uncomfortable with Levitard when they asked him if you really think that, you know, so he, and, and they said, yeah, you know, this offense is designed to get yards after the catch. So we know he's still not going to throw the ball down the field and you're going to rely on Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle to get yards after the catch and to make explosive plays. And they've got to hope that the run game can complement that with Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. So yeah, they made upgrades on offense, but I still don't think that Tua can be, the end-all, be-all guy that ties the bow on top and gets this offense to where it needs to be. I don't. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I think his decision-making stinks. He doesn't have a big arm. He's not accurate throwing the ball down the field, which you need in this in today's game, day and age. So teams are going to – defenses are going to play exactly how you think they're going to play them. They're going to limit them. They're going to play everything in front, and they're going to make sure that they don't let Waddle and Tyreek Hill slip loose. And I don't think – I think two is out of a job at the end of this season. That's what I'm talking about. That's it right there, right? Like you can have somebody who watches a crap ton of football like yourself say he sucks. And you have another person who watches a crap ton of football and say, no, here are all the things he does positively. And it's really crazy that that's the case. And maybe it is because of all that mayhem on the offensive side of the ball for the Dolphins. Like we know their defense has been strong under Brian Flores over the past couple of years. Their offense has been such a mixed bag that it's really easy to just say it kind of doesn't matter. We don't really know what the truth was. We don't know how it was supposed to look and how it actually looked. It's, it's fair to say all those things, but when you actually break down what he does on the field, I, listen, I think he is a pretty accurate guy. He has good touch. I think his deep ball is probably a bit too trash. Like, But here's the, here's the but on what I say about his ability to push the ball downfield. It has to be perfect. It has to be in rhythm. And then he can throw it downfield and lead his receivers and put the ball in a window down the field. I don't know if he has the zip ball. Like, I don't know if he has the bullet that we see Stafford, Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen slip into really small windows in the short game. That's going to be big for him. But he seems to be really, really good in rhythm. So I think against lesser teams, he's going to look good this year. I think when they go and play the Jets or play uh, the Lions or the Bears, He's going to be hitting on all cylinders and he's going to be hitting Tyreek Hill 10 yards downfield. He'll take it for 30, right? Those things are all fine and good. But when you face a team with a serious pass rush and he's got pressure in his face, can he be the guy we saw in college? Because in college, that's where he thrived. He thrived in those moments where he's breaking the pocket and chucking the ball downfield. It has not yet translated. It's been made excuses on his uh, health with his hip and everything that he's not been quite the same since that injury. But now, it's time to move past an injury and say, are this who you are now? Or is this who you are now? So that's the question mark for me. I, I, I think there's reason to believe he'll look good at many points this year. And people will be posting the one-off clips, the six-clip highlight on Twitter and say, oh, you think Tua sucks? Look at this ball he just fit in the window where it's three defenders and he does a touch pass right in, in between to Tyreek. It's going to be beautiful and it's going to be great, right? Fantastic. But what can he do? when things get mucky in the pocket because that was his strength before he came to the NFL. And that's been his biggest weakness in the NFL. 
all the great quarterbacks in the league do well in a clean pocket. He might be a great clean pocket quarterback. He might be a bad, ugly pocket quarterback. And that's where the difference between good and great comes, difference between average and good comes. And that that's my big question mark for him. I'm pro Dolphins this year. I think the roster's good. I think the talent's good. Again, I think they're going to beat up on teams they're supposed to beat, and they're going to be right in playoff contention. I'm not convinced that Tua has a job either way after. So that's that's the question for me. He needs to not just win games. He's won games already. His record's pretty damn good for a quarterback in his first couple of years on a franchise that hasn't won a lot of games in their history. Well, in their recent history. So two things. Dolphins might be good. Is Tua good? That's the question. He needs to not just win. He needs to prove that he's part of the winning methodologies and not just another piece of it. All right. I like yeah, that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. no, I was going to move on to a bust, you know, boomer bust quarterback in, in my opinion, and I was going to go with Matt Ryan. And yeah. not so much in the sense that he's got a ton left to prove. I mean, he should have a Super Bowl ring, you know, 28-3. You can say it as many times as you want. Um, but it's more so in, in the sense of what Indianapolis, how they shipped off Carson Wentz and made him the scapegoat for what happened last year. And now it's, okay, Matt Ryan's our quarterback. Oh, yeah, now we're going to win a Super Bowl. You know, it's not like Matt Ryan was the glue holding everything together for Atlanta in the years past. I mean, they've been bad, and his numbers have, you know, steadily gotten worse and worse and worse. So, yeah, he's getting older, but I think this is like, you know, this is more so of a boomer bust on Chris Ballard, the GM, and on Frank Reich, the head coach, as much as it is with Matt Ryan, because, you know, again, there, there are a lot of teams are picking them to win the uh, to win the AFC South. That Tennessee is going to drop off, and Matt Ryan is going to, you know, he was everything that Carson Wentz couldn't be. And I just don't think that's the truth. I don't think Matt Ryan is that great of a quarterback anymore. I think he is middle of the pack. And I think you look at you know what they're expecting him to do that they're that thinking he's going to lead them to the playoffs. You know, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't have the monster season he has last year, um, if he doesn't have that this year, then what? You know, then it's Matt Ryan with Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell and Mo Alley-Cox. That does not scare me, and I don't think that's going to scare a lot of defenses. So, you know, I think this is, you know, again, maybe I'm taking a shot here at Chris Ballard for the way they moved on to Carson Wentz. I don't think Carson Wentz was abysmal in that last game against Jacksonville. But outside of that, I thought he had a very solid season. And I think that this year is not going to go well either. I don't think the Indianapolis Colts are a great team. I don't think Matt Ryan's a great quarterback. He's Again, he's 37, so the expectations I don't think should be that great for him, but they are. They are. I feel like the way everybody, media, a lot of fans, what I'm seeing on Twitter, what I'm seeing on a lot of predictions is that the Colts are going to be great because they kicked Carson Wentz to the curb. I don't think that's the case. I don't think Matt Ryan's going to have a good season. And I think you know they're talking about maybe finding another quarterback, whether it's in the draft trading up or free agency after this season. Great call because it's not about Matt Ryan as a quarter career quarterback. It's not about that. It's about the end of his career. It's about if he has another starting job after this season because we know what happened with Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he made the playoffs. Yeah, he did good. He was solid, right? Is Matt Ryan going to be solid or is he going to actually push them over a hump? Is he actually going to make them a serious contender? That's the question, Mark. I'm totally with you. Great call by you. I'm going to go on to uh, two at once here just to keep this thing moving. I think one that we talked about already, actually two that we talked about already, for they have high team expectations this year from both of us. It's Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts. Kirk Cousins has had all the opportunity in the world, all of the opportunity. And this year with the new OC, with a new uh, mindset of actually pushing the ball and letting him be that playmaker quarterback rather than a quarterback who doesn't lose you games, which he clearly 
he wasn't made to not lose you games. He makes the mistakes. He gets tight. He doesn't take chances when you want him to be conservative. You've always seen him be the best when they're down by 14. When he says, we got nothing to lose. I got to make something happen. All of a sudden, bombs from Kirk Cousins, right? So what does he do now? with this new mindset from an offensive coordinator that's now the head coach in in Minnesota that we expect him to be this new type of Kirk Cousins pushing the ball down the field consistently. He needs to do that. And again, they could win games and they could still be looking for a new quarterback because they weren't happy with his ability to be aggressive. I always thought when he's aggressive, he's been good. I'll take a few picks. I'll take some mistakes. If you're pushing the ball downfield, making big plays. And I, I think that's a question mark. Are the Vikings looking for a new quarterback after the season? Same thing with the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, a lot of questions about his ability to throw the ball consistently. We know what he does with his legs. We always hear the term winner with him. It's one that I do kind of agree with just because of his play style, his demeanor, et cetera. But there's a point where push comes to shove and can you get your receivers the ball? If A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are not being utilized because Jalen Hurts can't get the ball downfield, can't hit them in space, can't hit them in tight windows, it won't matter if they win nine or 10 games this year because they know that he's not the true answer and he'll stay on his rookie contract and then they'll be looking for the next guy. So not quite as boomer bust where I think he's out of a job next year, but I think if he is just holding their pass attack back and they're forced to run the ball like crazy again and they get beat up in the playoffs, they're going to start looking towards the future, even if he's the quarterback for another year or two because it, it comes down to a point where yeah, your running's great. Yeah, this is great in the regular season. What are you going to do when you need to pass the ball and throw for 390 yards in a game? That's the question mark for Jalen Hurts. I don't know the answer. He'll be a great fantasy quarterback again. I think A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are average fantasy guys this year. People are a little bit skeptical on how much action they're going to get, but we do all expect the Eagles to be good. So some at some point, those things either mesh or they don't. And uh, the Eagles might be thinking about a replacement, maybe not next year, but two years from now. That's it. That's all. That's all I got. You got any other uh, quarterbacks or, or things you want to mention there? I think that's, no, I, mean, good, right? I mean, there's, there's the obvious ones. There's Lamar, right? He's, he said uh, on Wednesday, you know, as we're recording on Wednesday afternoon, the deadline is Friday for them to meet a contract extension. So he's going to be in an Aaron judge type situation. Like we know well in New York might be playing right. for house money, betting on himself. We know that's the case. Um, not so much boomer bust because he just got his contract, but Kyler Murray obviously has a ton to prove this year. Um, yeah. And then I think, you know, when you look at, um, you know, what I've talked about with the Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr, he's got the most weapons he'll ever have in his life now. So he needs to go out there and he needs to perform. I think he will. Uh, and then another quick one would be Tannehill, right? Yeah. Whereas now everyone's expecting the Titans to drop off. They lost AJ Brown. They've seen how Tannehill has performed in the playoffs. Sure. He's a good quarterback in the regular season. I'd say he's probably right on the border of tier two and tier three, you know, right on like the, the border of like a top 10 quarterback in the league. He needs to go out and he needs to prove it this year. Now with Robert Woods and Traylon Burks as his top receivers, where he doesn't have the explosive weapons like he did in years past. And that's all. And, and I, yeah. yeah. Tannehill is really interesting because by all metrics and by all accounts, he has been that top 10 to 12 quarterback for a couple of years now. But if you ask people to make rankings today, I feel like he's getting ranked 16th, 18th. And it's because of the situation around him. So if he can lift that situation, then we know we're cooking with, with some salt here, cooking with gas. Um, so yeah, good stuff by you, Patty. Let's do real quick. Just give me one or two games that you're specifically excited about 
Um, actually, first, let's just talk about the first one. Uh, Rams, Bills tomorrow. Rams, I'm sorry, Bills minus two on opening game, opening night. Um, any specific expectations here? Or are you just damn excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I think it's now that Buffalo has been labeled a favorite. They got to come out and they, I think they got to win this game. I think to make a statement, you know, they don't have to, they're going to make the playoffs regardless, but I'd like to see them make a big statement in the first night of the, of the, of the league and show everybody, this is why we're the Super Bowl favorite. And I think they do. I think their defense adding Von Miller is going to be a huge get. I know they're still out with Tredavious White for a couple of weeks. He was put on the PUP list, but I think their linebacking core is going to make a difference in stopping the Rams' run, stopping, um, you know, Akers and Henderson from getting to that second level. And it's going to put pressure on Stafford to, to, throw, to throw the ball down the field. And as great as Stafford was winning a Super Bowl, he was a turnover machine at, at, at times in the past, and he has been at times in his career. So I'm looking for the Bills to be advantageous in the turnover battle tomorrow and for, for Josh Allen to also make a statement and say, hey, you should be betting on me to win the MVP. And I think Gabe Davis – we saw what he did in the playoffs last year, the four-touchdown game. I think he's ready to, to light things up. I think Dawson Knox, who just got his money on Wednesday, a big contract extension. I think they, they have so many weapons that it's going to be tough for the Rams to deal with. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you think about conventional wisdom, they say a home team will get you know two and a half, three points. That hasn't really been the case in the past two years. It's been more like one and a half points for home field advantage. So even with the one and a half points, if this game was in Buffalo, are we seeing the Bills as over a field goal favorite against the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams? I think we are. So it's minus two for Buffalo. I'm leaning towards taking Buffalo. I like that it's minus two. It's a good number. You're almost, almost, I don't ever want to say it with just two points. You're almost taking a money line with that. It's not really true, but you know, you get the point. So I, I like Buffalo as well. I think they come out with just more vengeance because the Rams did just win the Super Bowl. They are still kind of banged up. Matt Stafford's dealing with stuff. Uh, Cooper Cup, obviously, off the ridiculous season. Is he going to have an encore? I'm not sure. I'm riding with the Bills in week one here. Uh, uh, sounds like you are as well. And that's going to be a damn exciting game. Uh, I'll start you off, though. I'll give you one that I'm, I'm particularly excited for uh, this, this week. It is the Packers-Vikings in Minnesota. We talked about the Vikings a lot already. This is one of those games where we've seen the Packers – Start slow. We've seen them get embarrassed in week one before in the past couple of years. I don't know what the hell to expect. And that's why I'm so interested here. Packers are minus one and a half. It's in Minnesota. I have almost no idea how to put my finger on what the Green Bay Packers are going to be this year. With the receiving core depleted, is Aaron Jones going to get 10 targets a game? Is AJ Dillon going to be a beast? Is Aaron Rodgers going to look like Aaron Rodgers? Questions I don't have strong opinions on. That's why I'm, I'm excited to watch that game. And Pat, please stop me. If I bet on this game, because I'm probably going to, but just try to stop me. You're going to bet on the Vikings. We know <laughs> it. We know that was your play all of last year. You love betting on the Vikings or on <sighs> games involved in the Vikings. You're going to do it. So I'm going to tell you not to do it. All right, it. here we you're go. Do wait, it anyway. wait. I can't wait for when we do our picks and you're going to go, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at Minnesota here and I'm taking this. Vikings uh, and the over from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. You get the touchdown plus seven and a half. You get the over at 41. Tell me where I lose. <laughs> I can't help myself. To, I can't wait to make our picks. We're doing that this weekend. So oh, I uh, can't help myself. Yeah. Yeah. We are doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that game, but <laughs> what do you got for me? 
Um, I got the the, char- the Chargers and the Raiders, right? I want to see I want to see Derek Carr. I want to see the Raiders make a big statement right off the jump, right off the get go. I think that uh, you got McDaniel's in a much better spot to be a head coach than he was a decade ago with Denver. I cannot wait to see how the defense operates under Patrick Graham. I love what he did, with, you know, potentially without a lot of talent and with a lot of injuries last year for the Giants. So, you know, again, I'm a big Raiders guy this year. The three point dogs. Um, I cannot wait to see how they stack up with that vaunted Chargers defense. You know, again, let's not forget, they added Khalil Mack. They added J.C. Jackson. That's a big reason why everybody's picking them, um, you know, to win the West or that a lot of people are picking them to be a Super Bowl uh, contender. And, you know, again, it goes without saying what Herbert has done. You know, Mark Shedlugian knows, everybody knows I've been on the Herbert train since day one saying he was always going to be a much better quarterback than Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And look, they returned most of the same weapons from last year. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Eckler. That's, I mean, they've got so many weapons they can burn you with. But I'm excited to see how Brandon Staley does in what should be a close game yet again. Because you look at the Chargers, and that's the reason that I'm not, you know, that I'm down on them this year. Whereas I, I'm super high on, on Herbert, and he could be an MVP candidate. But, you know, you look at all those games, all those close games that they just somehow inexplicably lost last year. That, I think, is down to the head coach and Brandon Staley. I like that he's aggressive, but he's, he's – dude, he's way too over-aggressive. And not only that, they just find a way to come up on the losing side, whether it's the defense or if it's the offense. When they need a touchdown, settling for field goals. You ask yourself, how did they lose that game to Dallas last year in week two? How did they lose that game to New England? How did they lose that game to Minnesota? How did they lose that game in OT to the Chiefs? And then, of course, the last week of the season – uh, so this team can be had, and I think they're going to be had in week one on their own field. I think the Raiders go out, and I think they uh, they, they make the statement. That's that's another exciting one. I mean, there's so many good ones in week one. Another one, the battle of preseason hype. You get the Detroit Lions fresh off a of hard knocks at home against the Philadelphia Eagles, a team we've discussed their hype that they've gotten. It's right now Eagles minus four in Detroit. I think there's a, a public push still always for the hard knocks team. And the Lions have it a little extra with some added talent, with Dan Campbell being a football guy and, and all that jazz. I, I'm excited to see what happens there. Uh, and and lastly, Cardinals at home, plus six against the Chiefs. Kyler Murray, like you mentioned with the boomer bust, he obviously has a job. This guy is too talented to not be looked at as a top 10 quarterback in this league. However, we know the shortcomings over the past couple seasons. We know how fast the Cardinals have started last year and even quite uh, quite frankly the year before. Can they catch the Chiefs in week one? Can they shock the world after all the drama, all the BS, and and put down a performance in week one where we say, oh, snap, Kyler ain't playing Call of Duty anymore, right? Like, I don't know. There's a chance that that happens, and Kyler looks freaking fantastic because he's that talented. So I'm, I'm tuned in for that game as well. That's it. That's all we got. Pat Boyle, my guy. Thank you so much, my brother. Uh, a great season ahead. I'm so pumped for it. It's going to be a blast. Stay tuned for our picks on all the social medias. If you're not following me, I'm at Pete Kennedy with two Y's in the end. If you're not following Pat, what are you doing? He tweets way more than me, and he does a great job with it. At Pat Boyle 44 Also on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk. Hit us up there. Those will be our picks. All right, there we will post our picks, I shall say, and we'll continue our third year of our picks journey, looking to build on it and become smarter betters. Are, are we becoming smarter betters, Pat? I'd like to think so. I really hope so. I think (laughs) when we see traps that we've fallen into in years past, I hope we do a better job of avoiding those this year. And also being more, I want to be more sharp, right? Everyone wants to, wants to be the sharpest better. I think, uh, you know, we're, I'm going to, you're going to see a lot of sharp 
angling bets from me this year, and I, I hope they pay off because there's too many times you fall into the trap of, of a square bet that just looks so good to be true that it's not. And I think we know much more about the league this year than obviously we have in years past. We continue to do more homework. We continue to know more and more about every single position. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I think we got a big year ahead of us uh, for both of us. I'm putting big expectations. I want to hit at 60% minimum this year. So I think it's Let's very doable. I think it's doable. I think we're going to do it. Let's go. Ravens, Vikings, teaser. Vi- <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Or am I? You'll have to tune in to find out on Subway Sports Talks social media. Pat, my guy, thank you so much for doing this in the middle of the day. We did it. NFL preview, baby. That's all we got. Subway Sports Talk. I'm Pete Kennedy for Pat Boyle. Stay tuned and cheers.